0: Thanks for joining us for another God inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. It's um, <clears throat> Pentecost Sunday today and uh, I'm going to uh, take the opportunity to do, share a bit of history around it. I'm going to, in, I hope, uh, set up the opportunity for God to move and touch some people's hearts and lives today. We're going to uh, pray for those who would like to receive the baptism of the Spirit. We're going to do that. We're going to allow the Spirit of God to move uh, and touch and bring to the surface what He wants to do in our lives. And uh, that's all out of um, celebrating or remembering commemorating Pentecost Sunday, an event that happened uh, a long, long time ago. But uh, before we do that, just a, a couple of uh, housekeeping things, update things. So we're uh, we're in our uh, building fund month. We we call it our um, it's our spaces and stories. And uh, we we uh, the the key scripture for this month is out of um, out of the message uh, Matthew chapter five, and it talks about the spirit of generosity and keeping an open house and being generous with our lives. And so that is the motivation or the inspiration to invite you to participate. Uh, and, you know, I think when we're open-handed, then generosity flows from that. And there's a spiritual dimension to that that is uh, sometimes beyond explanation. It, only, it can only be experienced by engaging into it. And so on the 23rd of June, we're going to be uh, celebrating and uh, partying together. we have a great uh, Service here and lunch and everything will be provided and we're going to be celebrating the good things that God has done uh, in in the life of our church over the last 12 months, but also our commitment, uh, giving you the opportunity to make your commitment uh, coming up uh, into The coming uh, financial year, and uh, we're we're in it together. It's and God is doing some extraordinary things, and we'll be uh, sharing on some of those uh, in a few weeks ahead. I think Ben opened up the series last week, last last Sunday morning. How did he go? Did he do well? He's doing well. How come your wife's not sitting next to you, Ben? What's going on here? How long have you been married? Was it one too many plumbing stories? Is that what's happened? <laughs> I, I don't know. But, uh, well, but you didn't use a plumbing story last week. So... Um, <laughs> But uh, I was at Queanbeyan last week they 're doing fantastic, and that 's an expression of the generosity and the heart of us as a church and seeing a community uh, impacted out there, and uh, so many people i didn 't know faces, which is always a good thing when, when you as a pastor you don 't know people in your church, that 's a really good thing because it 's kind of like. Things are growing and expanding. So, uh, and uh, we've just uh, finished uh, a three-day prayer and fast. See, little, uh, little snippet at the beginning of our winter season. I hope that you participated in that. I actually found it really challenging. I always find fasting challenging, and uh, and so. But I hope that you took the opportunity. We actually uh, designed. Uh, periods of the calendar in the year for you to engage in fasting and in prayer because some things only get shifted through fasting and prayer and so uh, I hope that you participated in that if not I hope you will uh, in the next mini one that will be coming up at the beginning of the next season but in in spring but uh, it's something happens uh, in your life over your world in the atmosphere over your world in the atmosphere of our church when we corporately pray and fast together so uh, I don't want to ask for a show of hands but I want to encourage you in your heart take the opportunity uh, next time it comes along if you didn't this time Well, even if you did, do it again next time. It's all very exciting, but uh, back to Pentecost Sunday, and uh, you know, for me, I I I find this uh, an incredible uh, historical event to reflect on. And, you know, uh, it's when the church was essentially birthed and empowered to do what it was designed and created to do. And so when you think about the miracle of the church, here we are today, uh, gathering in this, in this gathering, but there are thousands and thousands of gatherings with millions and millions of people around the world today that are, uh, uh, are here because of what happened on Pentecost Sunday. And, and, you know, that to me is staggering because when you think about everything that has railed against the church over the years, railed against the belief in God over the years, and yet here we are stronger than ever. And it just shows you the power of what happened back at that time. And I want to begin out of Acts 1.8 and read this scripture just to remind us that, um, of what happened on uh, that first Pentecost Sunday. Well, it's actually not the first Pentecost Sunday, but well, I'll get to that in a moment. But Acts 1.8, and it says this, But you shall receive power. Say power. power. You're going to hear that word a lot this morning. Power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We are a Pentecostal church. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe the power of the Holy Spirit is for now, is to be activated and utilized in our life to advance the kingdom of God. But the power of the Spirit is here for you and I to be a part of. And so something happened back on Pentecost Sunday, 2,000 years ago, to a small remnant of people. Uh, that were gathered. They were, they were literally in hiding. And so, so there was a visitation to them. And that visitation shifted the balance of power forever. And it was a mighty, mighty visitation. And, um, you know, as a result of that, you and I, as people who walk in the power of God with the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Some of the things that that the power has empowered us to do. It's given us the power to get wealth, the power over unclean spirits, the power to heal, the power to break yokes, the power um, to forgive the power to forgive 70 times 7. The, fa- the power to forgive 70 times 7 even in the face of injustice. The power to count on all joy in the midst of tribulation. The power to worship when you don't feel like it. The power to worship when you're in a prison. The power to not take offense when you probably could. The power... That is unlocked by grace. The power that came down on that Pentecost. The power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The power of God unto salvation, the power that overcomes shame, the power that breaks the power of sin and sets us free, the power that will bring God's promises to pass in our lives, the power to defeat the principalities and powers in the heavenlies. This is the power that was unleashed a Pentecost Sunday all those years Ago, the power to live the Christian life, which is impossible in our own strength, and it is why we need the baptism of the Spirit. So we're going to have the opportunity to, for you to receive the baptism of the Spirit and to the power of the Spirit at work in your life uh, later on this, this morning as we unfold this thing, the power. There is something incredibly powerful about what happened on that day when those, that small gathering of people. And I often wonder, you know, that what happened to, there was 120 of them left. What happened to the 380? Where were they? You know, the, sometimes it feels like we're the only ones left. And yet there's a power at work. I want to have a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And we're going to read about Pentecost here. And, they were dwelling, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone uh, heard them speak in their own language. And then they were amazed and marveled and saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Gal- Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? This is what happened at that moment of Pentecost all those years ago. What is Pentecost? So Pentecost is a feast. It was uh, one of three primary feasts that the Jewish people in the Jewish tradition were celebrating. So they were celebrating uh, because they felt that everything had been lost. Jesus had died. Everything was lost. They were just going back to their traditional heritage and celebrating the, um, the, the Pentecost, which was uh, 50 days after the Passover. And so they celebrated it was part of their tradition. So the three feasts in the Jewish tradition were the Passover, the Pentecost and the Feast of Trumpets. And Pentecost was a celebration of when God gave the law to Moses. So in the Passover, which happened when they were delivered from uh, Egypt, 50 days after that, God gave the law on the tablets on Mount Sinai. And so they celebrated Pentecost after that. And so 50 days after Jesus died, they're celebrating Pentecost and something significant happens. And it's an incredible thing. Literally, the word means 50th. It's not particularly um, deep in terms of the word Pentecost. It means 50th. It was 50 days after the Passover, the freedom from bondage to Egypt. It's 50 days after the resurrection, the freedom from the bondage to death. What happened at Pentecost? Pentecost. In the New Testament, new Christians were celebrating Pentecost and while they were praying, God poured out the Holy Spirit on them and tongues of fire rested on each of them. And they spoke in new tongues. In the first Pentecost of the Old Testament on Mount Sinai, there was a loud noise, a cloud descended and there was fire. The law was written on stone and 3000 people died. Because they've been disobedient and worshipping golden calves and all sorts of things. You can read about that in Numbers 32. So that's the Old Testament Pentecost, the first Pentecost that was celebrated. On Mount Sinai, a loud noise, cloud descended and fire and the law was written on stone. 3,000 people died. In the New Testament Pentecost, on Mount Zion, which is the highest point in Jerusalem... There was a loud noise, a cloud, which was the Holy Spirit descended. And there was fire. And the law was written on the hearts of people's lives. And 3,000 people were saved. 3,000 people were born again. It turned on its head what happened in the Old Testament. And that's what the power of God does. It turns things on their head. In the Old Testament, there is the story of the Tower of Babel. The language brought confusion and there was a scattering. You can read about that in Genesis 11. And there was a division that happened amongst the people at Pentecost. There's a new language and the tongues brought unity. And there was a, a tongue that was on each and every individual person. It didn't bring division, it brought unity. And there was something that shifted in that. In the Old Testament, the law was written on the stone. In the New Testament, the love is written on the hearts and minds of people, the believers of God. There is a significant thing that happened at, at, um, at Pentecost at when the church was born. You can experience Passover when you receive Jesus, the Passover lamb. You do this when you believe and receive salvation by faith. That's the Passover experience. In the exact same way, you can experience Pentecost when you believe and receive by faith. So just as you need to believe and receive uh, salvation by faith, we believe and receive the power of the Holy Spirit by faith. The Spirit, Holy Spirit comes to live in us when we are saved. However, Pentecost, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, allows us to experience the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. There is a power outside of us that we need to live this Christian life. There is a power outside of us that we need to access. And we've been given the privilege to access, to empower us to live the Christian life. And I want to have a look at three things that happened uh, at that uh, Pentecost on that um, on that uh, church birthing moment, the power of supernatural activation, the power of supernatural devotion, and the power of supernatural gladness. I'm going to have a look at those three thoughts this morning. We are a Pentecostal church, as I said. There's a supernatural activation that happens at, uh, at, uh, when you're baptized in the Spirit. We're a Pentecostal church, we believe in the baptism of the Spirit, we pray, we pray for people, they get baptised in the Spirit, initially evidenced by speaking in tongues. And so, in, uh, theologically, we're fairly conservative as C3, we're, we're just a, a Pentecostal, evangelical um, perspective on things. And so, um, you know, I, I got saved uh, in a parachurch uh, youth ministry, and I... Received the Spirit of God and I, 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 I um, received salvation. And I turned to my friend who'd been with me at the time and he'd been witnessing to me for a couple of years. And I said, it feels like somebody's turned a tap on on the inside of me. This is what I said. To, I turned and said to him on that Saturday night. And I said, I feel like I'm filling up. from the, And I just felt myself filling up. It was an incredible experience. And uh, I knew that my life was different. I went out. Uh, we went out and had a... Um, a, moment, uh, a moment's silence. We had the discipline of silence. And so we went out into the paddock. And I, I just remember looking up at the sky and the stars. And everything just seemed, seemed different. It just seemed so different. And uh, you know, I, uh, and so I just was fired up for God and just started um, enjoying the journey with God. And over a period of time, I came to uh, hear about this concept of the baptism in the Spirit. And I wrestled for for a long time because I thought, man... I know I received the Spirit when I got saved. I, was, I, I felt it on the inside of me. I felt myself filling up. And then, over probably a period of six or seven years, uh, and, and I got to a place where I was wrestling through the concept of the baptism in the Spirit, which is an immersion. It's, it's when you get clothed with power from on high, it's the immersion in the Spirit of God, and it's, a, it, it's imparted. It comes by the laying on of hands, generally speaking. And so, I knew that uh, after walking with God for six or seven years, that there was a dryness in me that I was not actually accessing the power that I felt was out there for me. And so I pursued it. I, I, I resolved my my mental resistance to it because I thought, well, you know what? I, was, I felt it on the inside of me. I knew my spirit was born again, but there was something that needed to be happening in my life that wasn't happening. I wasn't experiencing this sense of power and victory that I, I kind of knew was uh, there for me. And so I, I, I got uh, people praying for me. In the meantime, dead Deb, you know, she had been baptized. She um, came up out of the waters of baptism, speaking in tongues as a thirteen-year-old, I think, fourteen-year-old, and uh, but hadn't actually been using or using the gift or uh, releasing it in her life. But then she got uh, set on fire again uh, not long after we were married, and so it was praying for me for a lot. And I, I, in my stubborn English male way, was just resistant to to it because I kind of of knew how powerful and real the experience I'd had was. But I got to the point where I felt so dry in myself. And in my walk with God, I just thought, God, I just want, if there's anything of you that I'm not experiencing and I'm not walking in the fullness of, I want that God. I want that God. So I, I, I uh, went to meetings. I, I had I can remember... A bunch of my closest friend or our closest friends praying for me uh, in the lounge room around the coffee table. I can still picture the picture. They're all praying over me and praying in tongues and absolutely nothing is happening. Absolutely nothing. It's like they're praying away and praying in tongues and I'm just like this. I'm just like a brick wall. It's just like there's nothing happening. And so I got to the point where I thought, okay, you know, I resolved the fact that this thing wasn't of the devil. I resolved for me the fact that I actually wanted to—that I wanted to get closer to God and live with this sense of power and destiny inside of me. And so I just took a step of faith, and I can remember we were living on the northern beaches of Sydney at the time, and I remember going onto the headland at South Kuril, and I just—I said, "Okay, God, I'm going to speak in tongues. I believe." That you, uh, that I am baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I just want to release this. So I actually did it. I just talked myself into it. <laughs> just started speaking, and that felt weird at first. It was a really weird, but it was a step of faith, just like my step of faith into salvation. It was a step of faith into the baptism of the Spirit. And I, as I did it, it kind of like just started to flow, and it was like something got unlocked on the inside of me. And, it was, and I knew from then that I was never the same. And I was studying at the time. I was a student. Uh, well, I was working uh, full-time and studying at part-time. I was at the University of uh, Technology in Sydney. And I remember walking into that building the day after I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I walked in and this, this massive just cloud and headache descended on me. And I just realized, uh, and I'd been listening to a lot of... Uh, tapes back in the day you know and and that there was this spirit of uh, that was trying to get on me a spirit of academia that was trying to get on me and I thought this is a horrible thing and I rebuked it and but I was all of a sudden aware of a dimension in the spirit realm that I hadn't been aware of before and so I found myself you know I knew again just like I felt the tap turn on the inside of me I felt awareness in the spirit realm that was different and I'm not a spooky sort of person. I'm a conservative English person. Like, so I'm not, this isn't kind of really, and I, I hadn't done hallucinogenic drugs or anything like that. I'm just kind, I was just a normal person, right? So it was just an awakening to the spirit realm that just was really, really exciting for me. And uh, I just uh, found myself realizing that, you know, I've, you've got to ask the right questions of God. You've got to be asking the right questions of God. Acts 1, six says this, when, we, they, when they were together for the last time, they asked, Master, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel now? Is this the time? And so they asked this question. And I kind of look at that and I think, they completely missed the point. They could completely miss the point. And, and so Jesus answers and says, it's none of your business, but I will give you power. And it's, and it's like, like he wasn't interested in answering their question. He wanted to give them the power that he knew was available to them. And sometimes I, f- I, f- I, think, I look back and I think, man, I was asking the wrong question for a long period of time. All God wanted to do was give me the power. And I love, I love that. It's like, I will give you power. Acts one eleven it says, Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring at heaven? And so... They're kind of looking. They think that Jesus has departed and gone, and it's and it's kind of like, why are you st- why are you looking at the wrong things? Why you know, we're missing the point. It's so easy to miss the point, and so, you know, I think sometimes we need conversations to tackle the blind spots that we have, you know, because we can be so set in our ways, we can be so opinionated, and one of the prevailing things about the Canberra climate, spiritual climate, if you like, is there's is a really strong sense of opinion. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have an opinion, but I, but I just think there are times when we actually need to, to you know, uh, listen to what God is saying and maybe acknowledge that there are blind spots in our perspective and that we can actually, you know, and sometimes it's like God saying, why are you standing here staring at heaven? I've given you power, like just move in it. It's time. It's time to move in it. It's time to use what I've given you. And so we can focus on the wrong things and miss the point completely. And that becomes the challenge of it. And so I think that one of the, for me, one of the most important things is the supernatural activation that happens when uh, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. The second is a supernatural devotion. Acts 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, which is what we've done, and to prayer. You know, so in this passage of Scripture, we're given a vision of how God will transform the world. People aren't sent out one by one. We're actually part of a community. God's plan is to draw individuals into a supernaturally empowered community. The key word... In this particular passage of Scripture, they was devoted. They devoted themselves. And there's a supernatural devotion that comes when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit that actually allows you to go past your circumstances and your situation. And so devoted, supernatural devotion. Without supernatural levels of devotion, dedication and commitment, a church is hopeless and helpless. You know, that's, it takes supernatural levels of dedication, devotion, and commitment for church to function, for our worship team to seek God and hear from him and respond to that, for our kids church workers to be out there now ministering the power of God to a next generation. It takes a supernatural devotion and dedication and commitment to do all of these sorts of things. And without that, When we do it in our own strength, it's just a religious outworking. But when we're responding to the power of God at work in our lives, it becomes a supernatural devotion and an expression. So churches filled with love, passion and commitment impact the community and the world in a supernatural way. So we hear the story of young Miles whose whose, uh, leg was healed uh, last week. You know, we hear stories of people who come into church and are just impacted by the power of God in worship and just tears streaming down their faces. And maybe that's been you. Maybe that's been your experience. Maybe not. Maybe you were just like me, just kind of cold, hard, rock-like. But God is at work. He's softening hearts and he's impacting our community in supernatural ways. When the first church assembled, being fully engaged was the highest priority in their lives. The first church was assembled and they were fully engaged and they were in unity. And they were devoted in multiple ways, totally devoted devoted in multiple ways. In their gathering, in the giving of their resources and fellowship. They weren't just consumers of church services. They were actually invested because of a supernatural devotion. They weren't participants. Uh, They took their masks off. They were real and vulnerable and allowed God to bring the change that needed to happen in their lives. And they were committed to serving those in need and prioritized being part of a community, which is what we encourage people to do, be part of a community. The the broader community here, a smaller community in a small group, and, and serving in teams and all of that kind of thing. And if we would become a devoted force like the early disciples were, then church becomes an unstoppable force for good in the world. And so you and I are part of an unstoppable force because of the power of God at work in us. And so there's two characteristics of devotion. Number one is death. And we're called to be martyrs, witnesses, supernatural, And the death to the distractions that keeps Christ from being the center of our life. We need to die to ourselves. John 12, 24 says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. We've got to learn what it is to die to ourselves. And we can only do that when we're empowered by the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 31 says, For I swear, dear brothers and sisters... That I face death daily. This is as certain as my pride in what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done in you. We face death daily. We have to die to things that we just want to do naturally. But God is calling us to do something different. And we have the power of the Spirit to empower us to do that. Death to pride. Death to insecurity. Death to fear. Death to fear of man and fear of rejection, death to anxiety, death to all of these sorts of things. Because we have this incredible uh, thing at work in us now, the power of the Holy Spirit. And the other side of this was a declaration. The declaration that happened when we're faced with obstacles, temptations and doubts. or We want to give in to lesser desires. We remind ourselves and we make declarations over our world. Uh, For instance, in Philippians 1.21, for me, living means living for Christ and for dying is even better. It's like we we cannot lose. So when we dedicate and devote our lives for God and live out of the power of the Spirit, it starts to happen for us. Acts 20.24, but my life is worth nothing to me. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And so we have this declaration. You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. And so we make declarations. We declare our situations and our circumstances to be victorious and not to be, over, not to be uh, uh, victims of situations. We make prophetic declarations into people's lives and worlds because we call the goodness of God our of them. We make declarations of edification, exhortation, and comfort into people because we want to prophesy life into them. The declarations that we make empower us because we have the power of the Holy Spirit working with us. And in Jeremiah 29, it says uh, this Then I said, the prophet says this, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. And I was wearying of holding it back, and I could not. There was a part of him that didn't want to do it anymore, but there was something inside of him that couldn't hold him back. And there's something inside of you that can't hold you back. And sometimes we get so tired and weary and we just want out, but there's a power at work in us that makes all the Difference and so the devotion is demonstrated by death and declaration. What declarations do you need to make over your life right now? Do you declare the power of God at work in your life? Do you declare that you are set free by the power of God, the same power of the Holy Spirit that descended on Pentecost Sunday? Is that work at your work and is that at work in your life today? Make some declarations over your life. And then the third one is supernatural gladness, and then uh, Psalm 34. Psalm 4 verse 7 says, You have put gladness in my heart more than the season that their grain and wine increased. Gladness is more, it's not a circumstantial thing. It's something that's imparted to us. When we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we have this this joy, this deep-seated, unquenchable, uncontainable joy, gladness that causes us to rise above things. It's a deposit of God. Psalm 118:24 says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. There is something unquenchable about the joy of you and I when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit and we're not doing it out of our own strength. We're doing it out of the power of God at work in us. All we are is allowing him to flow out of us. That joy flowing out of us. That gladness flowing out of us. That power flowing out of us. That declaration flowing out of us. That's all that we're doing. We're just making room for God to flow out out of us I this is the day that the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it don't let our circumstances hold us back Psalm 122 verse 1 says this I was glad when they said to me let us go into the house of the Lord I know there's a lot of people even here today when they said let's go to church you were far from glad when you thought about having to go to church you were far from glad but I can honestly say, I'm glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of God. I love going to the house of God. I, it's, a, it's a wrestle for me. Every time I, I, I have to preach, I, I wrestle. It's a wrestle. You know, it's, it's challenging. It's kind of, it doesn't come naturally to me. It's like I need to step into the power of God and let him do this stuff. Because I can't do it in my own strength. So I can, re- I can honestly say, To you today, I'm uh, all the time saying, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of God. I love the house of God. Psalm 126 verse 3, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. If nothing else, we are glad because of the good things God has done. Our salvation, our freedom, our grace that is new every morning. His mercies that are new every morning. I'm glad because of the good things that God has done for me. And I'm you know, God speaking to His Son in Hebrews one nine says, "You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with all the oil of gladness more than your companions." I want an anointing of the oil of gladness. I, I just I don't care what anything from God. I just want it. I want the power. I want the oil. I want the anoint. I just want it all. I want to be able to. Uh, move in it. I don't want my brain to hold me back from engaging with the supernatural things that God is wanting to do. There is an anointing of gladness that comes from heaven that is available to you today through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And dare I say, maybe you've been baptized in the Spirit, but you're just a little bit complacent with it. There might be time for a stirring up. Stir up the gift that's in you by tongues. Use the tongues that God that, that were supernaturally imparted to you and released when you stepped out in faith in the baptism of the spirit but let that anointing flow through you and in you there is an anointing of gladness that comes through having christ in our lives if nothing else it can't be a bad thing to go through life feeling glad i don't know if that's if that's all that we get out of it because many people are not going through life very glad excuse me can i have the worship team up Please, if you could uh, come. Let me ask you some questions this morning. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because if you haven't, you've experienced your personal Pentecost today. There's a historical dimension to what is happening. There's a New Testament historical dimension, and then there's the Old Testament historical dimension. I think back that three or 4,000 years ago, that when the, they celebrated the, the, the getting free from slavery, that, uh, that, that was when they were first celebrating Pentecost. And it's the same for the New Testament church. We celebrate Pentecost by getting free from the bonds of slavery that hold us back and contain us and keep us captive and trapped. You can experience today today you can be clothed with power from on high as it talks about in Luke 24 thanks for listening to today's message if you have any prayer needs email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online